1: Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Thursday. We are in the middle of Freedom Week, Independence Day week. I know a lot of people have off. I hope you do. I hope you've had some great time this week with your friends and your family and just kind of decompress by listening to the Monica Crowley Podcast. Always great to have you on board. This is your go-to for hot liberty. A safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. On social media, Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I am at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Love hearing from you guys. So shoot me a note. Let me know what's on your mind. Uh, I've been getting a lot of emails about my big interview with President Trump a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't already heard that interview, please go back and listen to it. It was a day or so before the federal indictment, so it was just an extraordinary conversation. Please go check it out. And this week's show, uh, our previous show on July 4th, also an amazing show. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from you guys about that. If you haven't heard it because of the holiday, please go check that out as well. Um, I did a special July 4th uh, monologue, and then we had this amazing conversation with the actor Jim Caviezel. We're going to talk about Sound of Freedom here in a moment as well, because this movie is just blowing the doors off of everything. Okay, so always happy to have you with me, always happy to hear from you guys. Coming up later this month, we're going to do a deep dive into the indictment of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, and laying it out really as a criminal case against the Chinese Communist Party and their unrestricted warfare against the United States. We're going to lay out that indictment with the great Frank Gaffney. He's going to join us, and that is going to be a conversation that you do not want to miss. We're also going to talk to the former communist radical turned diehard conservative populist lover of America, David Horowitz of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. I speak at the Freedom Center every year. It's uh, just a fantastic organization doing really important work, particularly on college campuses, but elsewhere. David was a real communist radical. He will tell you that. (laughs) And he had this epiphany, I believe, during the Reagan years and completely changed his orientation. But there is nothing like hearing about the communist assault from someone who used to be on the inside of the global Marxist revolution. That conversation with David Horowitz is coming up next week. You don't want to miss that as well. If you want to know where we are in America and how we got here and also how to fix it, that conversation is for you. Frankly, it's for everybody. Is for everybody who loves America. So that's coming up. We've got so many other good things lined up for the rest of this month, including a deep dive into what I think is one of the most dire threats that we face, and Lord knows we face a lot of them. But the idea that, that this administration is going to move this country into a cashless society where your dollar bill, your 20, your 100, your 50, your quarters will be unusable because they want to move us to a completely digital system based on a central bank digital currency where ultimately your bank will not be your local or regional bank it won't be even one of the big banks j p morgan chase wells fargo oh no bank of america forget it your bank will be the fed and all of your money And I'm using air quotes around money. It will just be software in a government system. And you will lose all of your economic freedom. You will not be able to buy or sell. You will not be able to move about the country or the world. Every time you buy a stick of gum, the government will know. And it's so much more dangerous than that. So we're going to have a fulsome conversation about this because I don't think many people are really focused on how far down the track, not just the United States, but the Western world is on the central bank digital currencies. That conversation also coming up later this month. We have so many great things coming up. Uh, Also, we're going to do a deep dive into the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset and where it is today. And how fast they're moving that down the track. COVID was meant to accelerate the Great Reset. So where are we in all of this? Well, you know, places like Australia are really, uh, you know, during COVID with the lockdowns and the quarantine camps, concentration camps, uh, complete stifling of freedom of speech in Australia, Australia has fallen. And it is now an incubator for the next steps of the great reset so we're going to talk about all of this that's coming up later in the month so many good things plus a very well-known actor who shall remain nameless right now because we're in the process of scheduling him uh he is going to join us with some very interesting insights into hollywood power and control so that's all coming up here on the monica crowley podcast in the shows ahead Not to be missed, my friends, not to be missed. Coming up today, we've got the one and only Carrie Lake for a very extensive conversation about, she's got a new memoir out called Unafraid, but we're going to do a deep dive with her on election integrity because she's pretty much the only one out there swinging in the courts, in public opinion, where it matters to make sure that we all have clean elections. No clean elections, no country. So thank God for Carrie Lake. Plus, we'll talk to her about the border, about the fraud, who is in the Arizona governor's office right now. They stole that election from Carrie Lake as well. We're going to break it all down with her. That's just moments away. But first, the Monica memo. The Biden White House celebrated a white Christmas in July. A white substance was found in the West Wing of the White House and understand that the West Wing is the nerve center of the White House. The East Wing is beautiful. It's where the First Lady's office is. It's got a lot of historic rooms, but the West Wing is where all of the power is. It's where the National Security Council is based. It's where the Oval Office is. It's where the Vice President's office is, the Press Secretary. The West Wing is where it's at. So, this white substance was found in the West Wing of the White House that just so happened to turn out to be, oh, cocaine. <laughs> not baby powder, not sugar, or Splenda. Cocaine. A Schedule I narcotic. It also just so happens that Hunter Biden, the first son was last seen in the exact same location the cocaine was found. Oh. Yesterday, the White House tried to explain all of this away by saying the president and his family, <clears throat> Hunter, um, were at Camp David this weekend. So all the drugs apparently were at Camp David <laughs> this weekend. But they're trying to say, well, because they weren't on site when the coke was found, that it can't possibly be them. That is a, just a, a nonsensical statement. But they have no excuse, so they've got to try to throw out shiny objects that have nothing to do with anything. Apparently, the Secret Service is, quote, investigating Kareen jean Yesterday, she was asked about it. She didn't have much to say beyond, well, we have confidence that the Secret Service is conducting their investigation and will follow all leads. <clears throat> Hunter. I mean, (laughs) this is all theater of the absurd. It was reported yesterday that law enforcement says, quote, the cocaine culprit is unlikely to be found. Apparently, it's a giant mystery that has the nation's most sophisticated investigatory minds perplexed. Let's play a game of Clue, shall we? Was the perpetrator Hunter in the library with a bag of cocaine. Magic 8-ball, please. All signs point to yes. Hunter Biden has a 35-year love affair with cocaine. He was handcuffed and booked for coke possession back in 1988, y'all, but daddy got it expunged from his record. Also, recall that Hunter Biden got kicked out of the United States Navy for, guess what? Oh, cocaine possession. The guy has been an addict his entire life. Cocaine has long been his poison of choice. He's been through rehab a bajillion times, but the addiction has a very strong hold on this man. And it's sad for him, but... He is the first son of the President of the United States. And while we have no idea who brought this cocaine in, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist a la Elon Musk to follow the white trail of powder to the feet of one Hunter Biden. Apparently, according to the Daily Caller, Biden is allegedly not the first Democrat president to have coke at the White House. Party all around, Democrat in the White House, woo, bring out the blow. According to the Daily Caller, based on historical accounts of previous administrations, Presidents Clinton and Roosevelt were both accused of having coke in the White House while they were in office. And President John F. Kennedy apparently used illicit drugs to treat his chronic health issues. Uh, Kennedy had severe back problems, probably from all of that sex. He was having outside his marriage with Meryl Monroe, Angie Dickinson, and others. I mean, I don't know, but he had a serious back problem. And at the time, in the early 60s, there was a notorious doctor, forget his name, but he was known in Hollywood circles and Washington power player circles as Dr. Feelgood, Because he would come to all of these stars and write crazy prescriptions for things that now are just like under lock and key. Crazy stuff. Well, this will settle you down. And it was like some crazy narcotic. So Kennedy was taking these drugs for all kinds of health issues and then these other presidents, Bill Clinton, probably had blow every day in there. I mean, every time there is a Democrat president, the White House is under a blanket of snow, even in July. All Democrat presidents... Interesting. Now, the importance of this story here with regard to Hunter and Joe Biden and cocaine in the White House is a couple of points here. First, cocaine is a Schedule One narcotic. If you are caught with it, big fine and possible jail time. The Biden White House? Oh, I, apparently they don't have to worry about prosecution. Karine Jean-Pierre said we're not interested in, in prosecuting anybody. Gee, I wonder why. Second point, the president of the United States is the nation's chief law enforcement officer. But we all know what kind of law Joe Biden enforces. None that none that adversely affect his criminal enterprise of a family. Third point here, Hunter struck this plea deal what, a week and a half ago now, two weeks ago, that has to be signed off on. Remember, the plea deal is about the gun charges and about the tax evasion, the the tax-related charges, right? So he agreed to this plea deal along with the prosecutors, but that deal has to be signed off on by a federal judge, and the date for that is July 26th. So in two to three weeks, okay, a federal judge has to sign off on this or not. Two things here. Number one, if the cocaine is Hunter's, which we don't know for sure, and probably will never know for sure because it likely is his cocaine, then he's in violation of his probation and the deal, and the judge cannot sign off. That's why this story is important. The other point about this plea deal is that we now know, thanks to these brave IRS and other whistleblowers, that the DOJ and FBI engaged in severe and continual obstruction of the Hunter Biden investigation. The investigators here were stonewalled at every turn, Remember, this investigation was going on since, what, 2017, 2018? So for years. And you had actual real investigators, and you had an actual U.S. attorney in Delaware that were digging and trying to get to the bottom of it, and yet, at every turn, the DOJ and FBI stepped in to block that investigation. The investigators wanted to interview witnesses. Denied. They wanted to collect evidence. Denied. They wanted bank records. Denied. The U.S. attorney in Delaware wanted special counsel status, so he was uh, buffeted from the political pressures of this. Denied. They wanted to bring charges in Washington, D.C. and California. Denied. Denied, denied, denied by Merrick Garland's corrupt DOJ. This was a full on cover up by the Department of Injustice. So if you're the judge in the case and now you've got, you've got whispers that the coke in the White House may have been hunters in full violation of the deal and his probation, and you've got this whole array of severe obstruction by the DOJ and FBI and others into this investigation. Well, You cannot sign off on this plea deal, and now we're back to square one. That's why all of this is important. On a different note, um, I mentioned on Tuesday's show, we spoke with the wonderful actor Jim Caviezel about his very important new movie called Sound of Freedom. And I am very pleased to report that Sound of Freedom, which shines a very necessary, it's an uncomfortable light, but it's a necessary light on the singular evil of child trafficking around the world. That movie, which was basically crowdsourced and done by the studio that does the TV series The Chosen, which is a beautiful, amazing series. It's one of my favorites of all time, The Chosen. Um, Angel Studios produced this film basically did it on a shoestring, got some big talent like Caviezel and Mira Sorvino and some others. And this movie is riveting on its own. But the message of stopping pedophilia and global sex trafficking and global trafficking of children, this movie is so important. And I am pleased to report to you. Now, keep in mind that there are a few really big weekends for Hollywood. Memorial Day is one. July 4th weekend, and the whole, frankly, July 4th week we are in, huge for Hollywood. This is where they look for uh, their big blockbusters to be released. This is where they know they can get tushies into the theaters, uh, buying popcorn, buying tickets, uh, living it up in the theater. Right, It's this week. This is their huge week, along with Christmas and maybe there are a few others. But this is really it. And that's why Hollywood decided to release their massively budgeted film, Indiana Jones, the last installment of the Indiana Jones film starring Harrison Ford. Well, The Little Engine That Could, Sound of Freedom by Angel Studios, also released on Tuesday. And guess what? God's children are not for sale. The Indiana Jones film budget was nearly $300 million to make. Sound of Freedom's budget, $15 million. Indiana Jones is a Disney film, and it was released in about 4,600 theaters across the country. Sound of Freedom, produced once again by Angel Studios, released in about half of that, 2,600 theaters. And yet, the big Disney film, Indiana Jones, that has this long pedigree with Harrison Ford, well, it's July 4th collection was about $11.5 million. Sound of Freedom's July 4th gross collection, $14 million. The little engine that could, did, and continues to do. You can buy tickets at angel.com. Go check it out. Find a theater near you to go and check out this movie. Guys, guys, It is, uh, first of all, it is absolutely riveting. Um, Everybody is talking about this movie. Everybody is buzzing about it. It has people in tears, but also really proud of the efforts of the real-life hero in this movie, whom Caviezel plays, Tim Ballard who has saved hundreds of children from trafficking. So just as a, as a point of entertainment, you will be glued to your chair. But it's also really important that we support content like this. We talk about it all the time. Politics is downstream from culture. The late, great Andrew Breitbart said that, and it is true. So in order to change our politics and change the country, as we're all here fighting to do every day... We have got to work on changing the culture, and that means supporting films like Sound of Freedom. So if you haven't yet bought your tickets, if you haven't yet taken your family, um, and it is disturbing, so use some discretion if you're a parent in terms of the ages of your kids, but we should all be in the seats. They've had a huge July 4th opening, beat Disney, beat Harrison, beat Indiana Jones, but we also have to deliver a very big weekend this weekend. Look, the, uh, the, the evil folks in Hollywood, the people driving the bus on our culture, they only understand people in the seats and money. That's it. They want eyeballs on their content because it generates money. So the only way we get their attention is by supporting this kind of stuff with our money eyeballs, and money. That's it. I'm sorry, but that's the way the world works, okay? this is We've got to operate in this context. So please, if you haven't yet already seen Sound of Freedom, get your tickets now, angel.com. You can also buy tickets for others and pay it forward. So if somebody can't afford the tickets to go, uh, they can claim them. There's this great little exchange on angel.com. Please go check it out. We are making a huge dent. Guys, for the first time in a long time, we are feeling our power. Sound of Freedom, huge success. Our boycotts of Anheuser-Busch, Target, um, now Ben & Jerry's, stock price taking a huge hit. Because on July 4th, the idiot communists that run that ice cream company, tweeted that America was built on the stolen land of indigenous peoples. So now people are going on strike with regard to Ben and Jerry's. I have not bought Ben and Jerry's for a long time. I used to live for Ben and Jerry's. I used to have Ben and Jerry's for breakfast. Like, seriously, like, I'm not kidding. I was an ice cream addict and Ben and Jerry's was my go-to. Chunky monkey, you name it, New York fudge. Okay, I stopped buying Ben & Jerry's years ago because I refused to support their BS. Well, this week, after their ridiculous tweet, a lot of us now are getting on the Monica Crowley bandwagon of boycotting Ben & Jerry's because their stock price, whoop, in the last day or so, way down. We are having an impact. All of us are having an impact now. Whether it's the LGBTQRXZ uh, agenda, pride agenda, sexualizing of children, whatever it is, we are now having a significant impact. And with the success of Sound of Freedom, that too on the positive side. We got the boycotts of these these communist uh, corporations doing all of this uh, kind of stuff, destroying our country. We are boycotting them. And on the flip side, we are supporting things like Sound of Freedom. And it is working. We are getting their attention because we are taking a stand with our wallets and our eyeballs. And we're doing it, guys. We're doing it. It's very exhilarating, is it not? So let's keep it going. All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to turn our attention to election integrity. We're going to talk about the border and so many other things with Carrie Lake. Sit tight. As central banks in countries like China, India, and Australia begin transitioning to a digital currency, the Federal Reserve has been contemplating the same for the U.S. With a digital currency, the government could track every single purchase you make. Officials could even prohibit you from purchasing certain products or even easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. These are some of the reasons concerned Americans are reaching out to Birch Gold Group. They want to have a physical asset that's independent from the U.S. dollar. Gold held tax-sheltered in a retirement account. Learn if gold is right for you too. Text Monica to 989-898 and they will send you a free info kit on gold. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold has been helping my listeners from the very beginning. Text MONICA to nine eight nine eight nine eight and claim your free info kit on gold because if a central bank digital currency becomes reality, it'll be very nice to have some gold to depend on. Well, I am absolutely delighted to welcome back, especially this week, Freedom Week, the week of Independence Day. So happy to welcome back my good friend, Carrie Lake. Last year, she was the Republican candidate for governor of Arizona. She was leading in all of the polls, driving huge crowds and tremendous enthusiasm. Sound familiar? And then she lost. Sound familiar? I don't think so. She has fought for the people of Arizona and for the rest of us by championing critical issues like economic growth, election integrity, border security, law and order, and of course, freedom, our foundational principles of individual liberty. She is a complete badass who now has a new memoir out, which is absolutely fantastic. It's called Unafraid, and it's available wherever books are sold. She joins us once again today. Carrie, welcome back.
2: Thank you for having me. What a wonderful introduction. Um, I'm really excited to be back on with you, Monica. I wish I was sitting in your studio with you in person, but um, It's it's just wonderful to hear your voice again.
1: Well, likewise, and it's always so lovely to talk with you, my good friend. As you know, and you first made your appearance on the Monica Crowley podcast last year when you were running for governor, and I told you at the time that I was a huge supporter of yours. Uh, You just captured the nation's attention because you were and remain absolutely fearless. And I think I also told you at the time, Carrie, that as someone who was born in Arizona, I have to say that you are the best. Thing to happen to Arizona in a very long time. You are Arizona first. You are America first all the way. And I think, and I, I said this to you before we came on air, I think that's the tie that binds us, right?
2: Absolutely. Well, it, and, and to be honest, <clears throat> Arizona is the best thing that ever happened to me. <clears throat> I came here and immediately felt at home, even though I love the heartland, I'm from Iowa. I felt a connection with the people, and they have been so good to me for 27 years, welcoming me into their homes. And we have a, a relationship and a friendship that <clears throat> can't be bought. And so when the people asked me to run for office, I stepped forward and said, you know what? You know, did I want to get into politics? No. <laughs> I knew how how slimy it was, how corrupt it was, but I thought, you know, this is what is expected of us to jump in as citizens at a time of need and and run for office, get involved, whatever we can to help our country or our state. And so I did so. And that's why I continue to fight because when they stole our victory, when they stole the victory, it wasn't just from me. And, And yes, I worked hard. I put my blood, sweat and tears. I worked my heart out for 525 days on the campaign trail. Even when our internal polling was showing us up 10, 12 points, I didn't let that slow me down. I said, I'm on a mission to reach every single voter and every person in Arizona to tell them what, how great our state can be when we make a few changes and start putting the people of the state first. And And so we worked our heart out. When they stole that victory, <clears throat> there were moments I wanted to walk away because this fight since the election has been grueling, but I looked at the faces of the people telling me, please don't quit. Please fight this. Fight what they did to us in our elections. And I knew that if I didn't stand up and fight this election fraud, they didn't have a shot at fighting it. If the candidate who the uh, election was rigged against, who the victory was stolen from, walks away from these election battles, then we, the people, have no shot at at getting uh, reform in our elections. So here we are. Many months later, that is still my priority. We are still battling. And I really believe that God put me here uh, at this moment in part to expose this corruption and criminality in our elections because you know, our whole country, Monica, our whole founding was based on we, the people choosing our representation, breaking free from the shackles of the monarchy, the original globalists, if you wanna think of it that way. And to me, globalism is just a fancy word for communism. All roads lead to we, the people, losing our liberties and losing our freedoms and being controlled.
1: You know, it's so providential, Carrie, that you and I are talking this week, uh, the week of Independence Day, because as we think about our country's founding and we think about our founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, of course, which is what we mark this week, which took tremendous courage. And most of the men who signed that document lost everything and they pledged their lives their uh, and their sacred honor, their fortunes and their sacred honor on this experiment in human liberty and the gift that they gave us. 247 years ago is so extraordinary. It's the greatest experiment in human liberty, which is a gift from God, um, in the history of the world. And every generation, and I tweeted this yesterday, every generation has stood up from the founders through today, through you and me, in in our ways of fighting for this country. We have stood up to preserve American freedom. And I'll be damned if we're going to be the generation that allows this country to go down the tubes. I also quoted yesterday in one of my tweets, I'd quoted Ben Franklin, because as uh, they finished the, con- the Constitutional Congress uh, on the document of the Constitution, he was coming down the steps of, uh, of the hall, and he was approached by a woman who said, what kind of government did you give us, Mr. Franklin? And Franklin supposedly said to her, a republic, if you can keep it. So now, I mean, it falls to every generation. As Reagan once said, you know, freedom needs to be cultivated. Otherwise, the tyrants will come in and destroy it. So, do you look now, Carrie, as your life mission to keep our republic? Is that your fight now for the rest of your life?
2: Well, if you want to know, it is in the first page of my book. When you open my book, it says Unafraid, Just Getting Started. And the next page, Right after the copyright, I dedicate this book to my fellow countrymen. Benjamin Franklin once said, You've got a republic if you can keep it. <laughs> yep. We are in the we are in the if you can keep it part. Let's come together and save this great nation. So that might answer the question, Monica. I agree. Our our founders gave up everything. They had a lot to give up. These weren't just a few people just getting started. These were successful businessmen. These were successful merchants. These were farmers. These people had families. They had a lot to lose. And I was reading the fate of many of these men. Many were captured. Some were killed. Some of their families were killed. Um, it, their li- they, they lost treasure. They, lo- they spilled blood. And many of them died penniless, poor. But what they planted for us and for our, the future generations is is the greatest country that this world has ever seen, and I bet you wanted none of them on their deathbed. I bet you none of them on their deathbed, whether at the hands of the uh, of of the uh, the redcoats or whether they died old and had nothing, uh, no no money and no gold to to hold in their hand. I bet none of them regretted the moves they made, the decisions they made when they stood there that day and signed that document, the Declaration of Independence. It was as if they were signing their death warrant. And so I know they had no regrets. I have no regrets. I don't know where this will end. I walked away from a fortune. I walked away from a very lucrative career because it it had become immoral. And um, I think God led me on this path. I believe deeply that God has placed all of us here just as he placed those 56 brave, courageous men, you know, 247 years ago where they were. And he's placed our generation here to save this republic. I don't want to be the generation that says our republic fell under our watch Mm -hmm. and so I will work as hard as I can and do everything I can and I don't think I'm alone I know you're with me and I know that hundreds of millions of Americans are with us I think the vast majority are but unfortunately the way information is controlled right now um you know we, we get on Twitter you get on social media you're led to believe that uh the you know a good half of the people aren't with us and that's not true That's not true. The way that our information is set up and the way social media is set up with with troll farms to make people have doubts about what they're doing. We have to definitely turn away from all of that. Realize that when someone's fighting you, many times it's not even a real person. Sometimes it's somebody who's not even in our country. I believe the majority of Americans want to save this republic.
1: I think so, too, Carrie. And I think more and more people are awake They're not woke, but they are awake to what is actually going on here from the left, and that this is, in fact, a war. I mean, a lot of people still, and and I, I talk to people who have voted Democrat their whole lives, they're culturally Democrat, they're out of New York City, whatever the case might be. And I keep trying to tell them, and I know you do the same, you know, it's very difficult for people to change their voting pattern or their voter, their their voting ID, their party, because it's so much a part of who they they are, right? It represents their values, maybe their parents, their grandparents always voted Democrat. It's a family thing. So it's very tough for people to change their orientation. But when you get them to see with open eyes in a gentle way, when you say, listen, I understand that you voted for Bill Clinton." Maybe you even voted for Barack Obama. Your parents voted for JFK. Your grandparents voted for FDR. I understand all of that. But I hope that you will understand that that party that you've been voting for all of this time is no longer the party of Bill Clinton, JFK, and FDR. It is now a wholesale Marxist party, and all of the energy and activism are with the radical left, with the communists. This is a communist revolution. AOC, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, these are Marxist revolutionaries. So you are not, in fact, voting for the party of your fathers and your grandfathers. You are voting for a wholesale communist Takeover of this country. It's economic Marxism. It's cultural Marxism with the drag shows and the, the, um, uh, you know, the gender agenda and the rest of it. It is all Marxism. Do you understand that? And when you start telling people that, Carrie, their eyes start to open because in that context, then this assault on our country and certainly the assault on you and President Trump and all of us who stand for America first then it begins to make sense to them if they have an open mind. And I think all of us need to do more of that. Oh, well, I mean, for sure, the Democrat Party
2: is not the Democrat Party of yesteryear. And I think so many people, uh, part of their identity was held like, oh, they're an old Kennedy Democrat, like you just said. But the party has been taken over. <clears throat> and I, I think it's a lot easier to bring, people. frankly, w- what we're facing, Monica, is a uniparty which is made up of people who call themselves Democrat and call themselves Republican, but they're really globalist and Marxist, okay, versus Americanism. So it's Marxism and globalism versus Americanism. And it's no longer Democrat versus Republican. It's do you want this country to survive? Do you want the foundation, our founders, do you want the constitution, what they put forth and that survive? And so that's where we are. And I, I think that we brought over i know that we brought over many democrats who voted for me in our election because they didn't like the direction that these democrat cities were going they said i don't recognize the democrat party anymore the democrat party has brought us places like california were once beautiful cities san francisco it we used to be a world-class city it isn't a zombie apocalypse The Democrat Party has brought us open borders, wide open borders where millions of people are pouring in. But again, when I say Democrat, I'm talking about this new Marxist Democrat Party. So I think we have a real opportunity to win Democrats over because we really, as Americans, I think we have commonality with maybe 80% of everything. There's going to be some cultural things that we disagree on. There's going to be some social things we disagree on. But I believe at the heart of it, most Democrats out there, I I pray, most Democrat moms and dads want to see when they send their kiddos to school that they get a really good education, reading, writing, arithmetic. They keep the inappropriate sex stuff out. We concentrate on teaching them life skills and work skills so they can get out and get a job and be prepared. And I think most Democrats who are moms and dads want to be able to take their kids to the park without stepping on used needles or having... An issue with somebody who's um, you know drugged out and deranged. I believe that most Democrats, I pray, want our border to be secure and that we know who's coming in to our country. So we're keeping terrorists out and criminals out. And I pray, and I know for certain that Democrat moms and dads want to make sure their kids don't get their hands on deadly fentanyl that's pouring in and killing a generation. They want they want safe streets. They want a, a country that's safe. And, and so I think we have a, a lot of, of reasons to work with Democrats and help bring them over to our side, the America first side, because I think they do want to put America first. I'm talking about the old school Democrats. You know, the the AOCs of the world and some of those that you mentioned, no, they're full on, they're full on Marxists right now. But the voters themselves don't like what they're seeing. That's why we we had many, many Democrats voting for us. And President Trump brought millions of Democrats over to vote for him, tens of millions. But the problem is it goes right back to the integrity of which our our elections are being held with. And there's no integrity there. There's no security there. There's no transparency there. We can want all of these things. We can want a safe country, a, a secure border. But if we go and cast our vote, and it's not counting because hundreds of thousands of phony ballots are being poured in, then we're never gonna get that. And that's why the issue of the day is really reforming our elections. And that starts with acknowledging what's happening and using our voice, what we have left of our First Amendment to speak out and talk about it. And this ruling on July 4th uh, by a judge in the, I believe it was Missouri versus Biden case, is absolutely massive, ordering the federal government to stop this massive censorship program to uh, prevent, working with social media to prevent Americans from speaking out, expressing their concerns or information about COVID, about vaccines, about shutdowns, and they included in there about elections it is imperative that we start talking about this and demanding fair elections.
1: You have been so brave, Carrie, throughout this entire process, and you have been such a fierce warrior on this. And I always cite you on this show and television and elsewhere. When I talk about... How in the past, you know, Republicans would lose elections that were dirty, that were rigged by the left, by the Democrats, and they would simply walk away. They would say, well, I'm not going to challenge this. I, you know, the the constituents in my state or district or in the country, they need a full time representative or governor or whatever. And so I'm just going to walk away. I'm not going to fight this. You, on the other hand, turned around and said, absolutely not. Because without election integrity, without clean elections, we have no country. You're actually on the front lines of the two most critical issues without which we have no country – one is election integrity, and the other, of course, is our border and our sovereignty. So in Arizona, you're right there. Why did you decide to take on this fight? I know the overall overarching uh, issue is if we don't have clean elections, we have no country. But it is a grueling process. Where are we in this process? Are you still in the uh, legal process? Is it still in the courts? Where are
0: we?
2: Uh, well, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. I... When you go back to 2020 and that election, remember how before the election, the media kept saying to President Trump, will you accept the results of the election? He was already pointing out we're going to have problems because they're using COVID to pump um, hundreds of millions of mail-in ballots out into the system. There's going to be fraud. We've got to address this now. And the media balked. I mean, they th- that was just taboo. Every time you mentioned it, they freaked out. And that became the, the catchphrase. Will you accept the results of the election that they kept saying to President Trump? You know, I wondered when I was running why they kept saying that. Months out, they started saying the same thing to me. Will I accept the results? I said, I absolutely will accept the results of a fair, honest, and transparent election. That's how I answered it. But, you know, it's almost as if the media was in on it. It's as if they were colluding on this, and I wouldn't put anything past them. They are so corrupt, the mainstream media. 2020 was a part of my campaign. When I first jumped in, I had people who were in politics a long time say, don't talk about 2020 election and elections and all that. I said, are you kidding me? This is an important issue. And and we're at ground zero. What happened in Maricopa County in 2020 was, uh, was fraudulent. And we did the, the you know, people came together and did the forensic audit. People care about this. They want their vote to count. And so we made it a big part of the campaign, much to the chagrin of the other Republicans I was running against who didn't even want to talk about it. And, uh, you know, I put them on the spot several times because we have to reform our elections, pure and simple. There's no way we save this republic if we do not reform our elections and root out the fraud. And so why did I decide to fight it? I mentioned it at the beginning of this interview, I, I to the work we did on the campaign then to have to go pivot and pull together an investigative team to pull together the documents that it takes. You have a very short window to, to fight an election to pull together uh, an, an attorney and several attorneys, a legal team. It was daunting. It was very dark. It was horrible. I, I hated those days after the election, but I knew I had to do it. And the amazing thing is God brought in some incredible people. They just fell right into my world at the moment I needed them most. And so I, I, I do believe God's with us on this, and we have been fighting. Uh, the judges have not ruled in our direction. I mean, obviously, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised because the, the corruption goes from top to bottom bottom to top, and both sides. And for a judge to admit that our elections are rigged, even though we presented all the evidence showing that, it opens up a Pandora's box that our legal system, I think, simply isn't ready for, our judicial system. But they're going to have to get ready because if we don't acknowledge this reality that our elections are corrupt, and if we don't fix it, we will lose this country. So we're continuing to push. We are appealing the last ruling because we got all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court they sent it back down to the same judge who ruled against us 10 other times and uh made him take up one more aspect the the voter signature verification process which which is a total sham we proved it was a sham and he still ruled against us so we're we're appealing we may bring a, a whole new case but much like what president trump is facing they are taking lawfare and trying to drag me down one of the election officials responsible for our elections is now suing me for defamation because i'm speaking out and speaking the truth about the way these elections are run like a banana republic here in maricopa county so now i've got a lawsuit by a republican by the way a rhino republican He's suing me. It's no skin, you know, n- no no money coming from his account. It's all coming from a group of attorneys, I guess many of them are former Obama people who are Soros funded. And he's suing me to make me stop talking about the corruption in our elections. And I will gladly take on that case. I will gladly take on that burden because I will not be silenced. If we lose the ability to speak out, About the corruption in our government because government officials decide to sue us to quiet us up then we do lose our country it's a burden it's not fun but i i you know god never told us life was going to be easy and i believe that this is the moment that that he put us here on this earth for to save this country
1: well thank god for you i mean literally i thank god for you and president trump and others who are willing to stand up, stand up. you know, good people like you stepping up because we need more people like you, Carrie, who are willing to take on the fight as brutal as it is. And the left knows exactly what they're doing. They try to bankrupt you. They smear you in the press, destroy your reputation. Um, and in the pre- case of President Trump, they literally want to take his freedom and put him in prison. All of this is meant... As a, a message, these are all messaging events, right? So that that they're, they're trying to send a message to people like you who may want to take on the fight, but don't have the fortitude of you and President Trump to really push through. The message is to everybody else: don't even think about it, or we will do to you what we're doing to Trump and Lake. Oh, yeah. So don't You're even so think right. about it, right?
2: Yeah, basically, if you don't, you know, we'll t- we'll tear down Trump. We will tear down someone like Carrie Lake. You, you even think about getting involved, we will tear you down. And we have to be fearless in that. You know, what's holding people, if anybody is is falling for that, I, I understand it. You, you've got a career, maybe you have a big paycheck, you have a 401k, you've got benefits. None of that's going to matter in a year and four months after this election if we completely fall to this globalism slash Marxism. And I think that's why President Trump has put it all on the line. He's got more to lose when it comes to treasure. He's got properties all over the world. He's got, he's a billionaire. He's lost a huge chunk of his fortune in this battle because that doesn't matter. You know, I talked about the first page of my book, you know, the uh, the Benjamin Franklin quote. The The second page is a very important Bible quote um that i if you don't mind i will read because when i was walking away from my career um i was very hung up i I knew it was wrong i knew the media had gone full propaganda i didn't want to be part of it but there was that part of me i'm a human being where i thought oh my gosh i'm walking away from a seven-figure contract am i going to regret this in six months two years will i look back and say what a crazy thing why did i do that and I was praying to God and I just said, please give me a sign. I know this is the right thing to do, but I'm just, I'm weak and I'm a human. And I'm worried about walking away from the money. And no sooner did uh, I pray that, that I grabbed the book, a Bible, the good book off my off my desk. I plopped it open on a random page and I put my finger down. And it was First Timothy chapter 6, verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can take nothing out. Now, I don't know if President Trump has read that verse, but I believe he believes that. He can't take his beautiful properties with him. He can't take his fortune with him. I couldn't take that huge contract with me when I leave this world. I will be left with nothing leaving this world except the legacy I left behind, the fight and what I did to help this country. And just like those 56 men who many left, you know, were killed or or left penniless, the legacy they left behind for 247 years in this great nation—that matters. That's what matters. So we can't be silenced. We can't even self-censor ourselves anymore. We have to stop thinking about what these other guys think and start doing the right thing right now. We have a short period of time to make this uh, to make this happen. And I believe the the first step in it is to get President Trump reelected. There are there are no substitutes for him. These other guys running are not the the right man for the moment. President Trump is the only man for the moment right now that God placed him here for this moment. He's the one who can get us on solid footing on a world stage. He can turn this nightmare that Joe Biden has has created around. He's got the policy to do so in his Agenda 47. I've never seen policy that's more transformative and Positive and amazing than what I have read in his policy. So I'm I'm on a mission, Monica. Every day I wake up and I say, "Let's go." I'm ready. I'm ready.
1: I am so happy to hear you invoke God, and I see you wear a cross all the time when you're on TV and Steve Bannon's war room. You wear your cross, and I absolutely love that because I do think. Yeah, go ahead. Talk about
2: that in the book. There's a chapter on why I wear a cross every day and I, um, you know, this book actually is a little bit memoir. Somebody said, there's a lot of faith and religion in it. I said, well, and I'm not trying to scare people away, but if, if you don't have God in your life right now, you must be really struggling. I'll tell you what, I've got God with me at all times of the day, and there are still difficult days. I encourage people to bring God into their lives, and I talk about When I had a major return to my faith, of course, growing up, going to Sunday school and all of that, thankfully, I had that foundation. But I talk about that. I talk about how I end up in the middle of the political world. And some of that I thank God for. It's a little bit of a political thriller as well. There's a little bit of history in it. And there's also a true crime story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's <happened>
2: November 8th.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: And um, I, I think your, your listeners will love this book. I've, the, all the feedback I've gotten has been, oh my gosh, A, I had no idea about your story. I knew part of it, but I didn't know the whole thing. And B, I did not expect when I picked this book up for, to not be able to put it down. Page, Turner, everybody I'm talking to has read it in a day or a day and a half. It's that compelling
1: the book is absolutely extraordinary and i love that you do see this assault on the country the assault on you the assault on president trump but really the assault on all of us who believe in this country as a spiritual war i talk about this all the time on the show and i you know i everybody needs to hear this whether you're a believer or not this is a spiritual battle And when you see it in those terms, you cannot unsee it. Um, Before we let you go, Carrie, just a couple of final questions for you. Uh, You tell the story in the book, and I've seen you tell it elsewhere, of a major GOP donor, I believe, who was approaching you after the election with a very sweet deal to stand down on your legal challenges, on your fight for election integrity, to not seek office again in the future. Can you tell us what happened there? Sure. Um, You know, I'm going to be honest.
2: When I first had our victory stolen, uh, seeking another office or running for office again did not sound appealing. I'd already won and I was having to try to claw back the victory. But as time has gone on and as we are continuing through the court system, and that's the only avenue we really have at this moment, and I think it's an important avenue, eventually there will be a judge. The corruption will build and build and build. More will be revealed. And I think finally, a judge, even a judge who's facing pressure from maybe some of the corrupt forces, will start to look at the landscape and say, Do I crumble to the corrupt forces or do I do the right thing? Because we, the people, are fully awake and they're not going to accept a bad ruling. Um, I think eventually we're going to get a good ruling, an honest ruling. So I'm, I'm going to keep fighting. But when I, Moved through the months, I started to realize that maybe as I'm fighting this, I, I should consider running for office again. But I was pondering it. I was just pondering it. And I had a, a pretty powerful political figure call me one day and say, Gotta come over to your house. There's something I have to talk to you about. Can't talk to you on the phone about it, which is always like an oh, okay, interesting. What could this be about? And they showed up at my door and uh, tried to offer me a prestigious job and a big paycheck and a position on a board. You always hear about that stuff, by the way, in the in the movies or the TV shows. You never think it'll happen to you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I laughed. I mean, I, I thought it was actually a joke at first. I thought, are you serious? You know that I walked away from a pretty prestigious job and a big paycheck. I'm not motivated by that. The conversation went on and they said, if, and we, we want to give you that in order to keep you just to... All we're asking is that you stay off the ballot in 24. Don't run. Run later, but not on 24. This tells me they're trying to steal the election again. This tells me they want to topple Trump. And they know that if Trump is on the ballot and I'm on the ballot somewhere, they can't topple us. The polling shows that President Trump and I are the favorite Republican politician in the state of Arizona. And there's no one even close to us. And so... um, as i was shooing this person out of my house the conversation moved to what would it take for you to put your movement on ice how much would it take for you to sit out this next election and i just said nothing i can't be bought i can't be bribed i can't, this is ridiculous you know basically get out and i thought about that i i couldn't believe what happened and i thought about wow this is this is what the powers that be want they're trying to keep They want our movement to go dormant, and this movement will not go dormant. The moms and dads of the world are awake. We're seeing what they're doing to our kids. They're coming after our babies, and that's when we put our foot down and jump in with two feet, and you do not want to awaken the sleeping giant called the moms and dads of the world of America because we are going to fight like hell for our kids. So that was actually, believe it or not, that person shows up to try to dissuade me from running, and that person showing up at my door may have been the one thing that pushed me probably to the point where I most probably will likely actually seek another office. Because that made me realize if these people, the bastards behind our election being stolen, want me to stay out, then I got to get back in in some way, shape or form. That tells me they're afraid to steal another election. They can't use the same tactics. The people will not put up with it. They're being watched so heavily right now. And they're afraid of a populist like President Trump being on the ticket, a populist like me somewhere being on the ticket. It's a lot harder to rig an election with a populist because you gotta rig it, you gotta do employ every cheating tactic you have to steal it. And they've done that for two elections straight here in Arizona. And I think they're scared to death to have to do it again. And so um, I'm really leaning toward a possible run. Um, You know, we've got a U.S. Senate seat that is up in 24. And we need some people in office in D.C., frankly, in state office and in federal office, who are truly going to represent the people instead of going there and working for the lobbyist class, working for the consulting class, working for the hedge fund uh, folks, and not giving a damn about the people of Arizona.
1: You know, that story that you just recounted to us, Carrie, is so striking, but it happens all the time. And weaker individuals do fall for the deal. They take the board seat, they take the big paycheck, they take the job, and then they disappear. And they leave the country to the clutches of these Marxists and to the Uniparty. And frankly, the Uniparty and the deep state will stop at nothing. To stop those like you and President Trump who are existential threats to their absolute grip on power so I am thrilled to hear that you are thinking about the future that you are not simply going to go back to your old life as comfortable and and lovely as that was because you're too valuable to the America first movement and to the country Carrie so I am thrilled um final question for you yeah no and you will be on this show all the time when you run again (laughs)
2: Well, thank you. I I look forward. Well, I look forward to that. I wish it didn't. I mean, I I really um, am. I want the people out there, especially if they're in Arizona, to know that if I make that decision to run again, I still will not be giving up our my my fight in court, my legal fight to secure our elections and reveal what happened and and get reform. That that fight I will never give up. I won't because it's so important. I want my vote to count. I want my children's vote. I want my future grandchildren's vote, and on and on to count. And so, I don't want them to think I'm I'm pivoting away from this really important fight upon us, which is election integrity. That's that's first and foremost. But I can also do other things while I while I do that. You know, I've had many offers um, to get back into media, make a fortune, start a media company. I mean, you should see the offers coming my way, and and it is tempting. I mean. I think, oh, my gosh, how easy it would be just to slip right back into that. I know that world and to do something that would be meaningful in media, you know, not not work for the corrupt media, but work for the uh, a meaningful media opportunity. But I just feel that God has called me to be in politics right now. And it's difficult. I'm not enriching myself at all on this. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm living on my savings and I have been for uh, a long time since I walked away from my job. But again, I I cannot take, you cannot take gold and silver with you into heaven. When you get to heaven, there's going to be plenty of, of beauty and, and riches, but you can't take your money with you. And that's why I believe the moment is for me to continue leading this movement of moms and dads and, and citizens who are fed up with uh, our federal government and our state government and our county governments taking control and taking away our freedoms.
1: Amen. Kerry, you know, you are such a fierce warrior for freedom. Everybody can hear that in this interview and as they watch you and, and have watched you over the last couple of years and as we will be watching you well into the future, whether it says President Trump's vice presidential choice or maybe seeking that Senate seat that is coming up next year in Arizona, we are out here cheering you on, girl, nonstop because we need more good people. Um, having the courage to step up, seek public office, whether it's your local school board, your city council, your town council, running for mayor, um, church boards, wh- whatever it might be. You know, the great philosopher Edmund Burke talked about when he was writing about America, he was talking about our little platoons. He called them America's little platoons. And what he meant by that was local community, church, schools, etc. because those are the building blocks of American freedom. And the founders understood that. You understand that as well. And so while we're all focused on what's going on in the world and what's happening in Washington and nationally, and all of those things are critically important, you get that all politics is local. And you are such a role model for every good and decent person who wants to save their country. You don't have to run for governor like Kerry did, guys. But you do have to get involved at your community level if we're going to have any sense of change.
2: That's how we defeat globalism and communism. That's Globalism and communism is a top down. They control us. And we are a bottom up. We, like you said, even on the church board, we have to be involved as citizens. We've taken our... Our citizenship um, for granted for many many years. It, it just came easy. We thought we were on autopilot uh, with our freedoms and and our country. And and frankly, I you know I I can take some blame in that. I didn't overly get involved. But as a journalist, I felt I needed to sit on the sidelines. But it is our duty as citizens of this great country to be involved, to re- protect our republic, to take care of it, to strengthen it, and. I am in it for the long haul, and I know that many, many more Americans are in it as well. Many Americans who never, ever thought they'd become interested in politics are off the sidelines. I credit President Trump for getting us involved and waking us up.
1: Yes, and you too. You too. Huge props to you, Carrie. You're such a warrior. The book is called Unafraid. It is an absolute sensation. It's available at Amazon and wherever you get your books. Please go get it. Support Carrie however you can, but definitely get this book. It's a, it's a page turner. It really reads like a novel, um, and you will absolutely love it. Her website is CarrieLake.com. Go check her out there and support her however you can. My sister from another mister, the great Carrie Lake. Thank you so much, my friend.
2: Thank you Monica and thank you for the work you do. You know, it, you know it is so good to have somebody in media who's fair, who's truly honest and cares about the truth. And we're we're watching those ranks grow as well and I'm really proud of some of the new independent journalists who are cropping up. We now have a voice and we have a place to go for truth. That's what that's what it's all about.
1: Amen. We're still under the hand of God, but it requires all of of us to step up and do the hard work as you are. Carrie, thank you so much, my friend.
2: Thank you. God bless you, Monica.
1: God bless. All right, guys, that is going to do it for me here on this Thursday. Thank you so much for joining me as always and for checking out our fantastic sponsors. We all really appreciate that. All right, have a fantastic weekend and I will see you right back here next week with some really important shows about this dangerous moment that we are in with David Horowitz. Also, we will talk with Frank Gaffney about the CCP and the dangers we face by the Chinese Communist Party, a threat far more sophisticated and dangerous than the Soviet threat ever was. You need to know all of this. So that's coming up here on next week. I will see you right back here on Tuesday.
0: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE.